All right. Hello, people. Welcome to episode 50 of the 50. Rock Show. Can Big you believe five that? 5 man. 5-0. Yeah. We're live from the Horseshoe Bar. We'll be here for a few hours. If you guys want to come here, have a few drinks, yes, have a good time. Yes, it's going to be a two-part episode. We so. have the lovely Gina yes. serving us. Um, me and John will be doing a freak show also later on, but we got a two-parter of Bob Marley, and right. Mike got a lot of information for you guys. I got a shitload of notes, and um, it's going to be a busy week. We got a lot of fucking work. We do. The next couple we got of days. a lot of work this week. And you're going back to work soon, so... Yeah, I go back to work on the third, so trying to get everything in before I stumble back to work. The funny thing, when this show goes on, it's going to be a few days before Bob Marley's uh, birthday. Seventy fifth birthday. There's a lot of um, coming starting the first. There's a lot of uh, worldwide celebrations going on. There's something going on at Sony Hall. Oh yeah. That weekend, yeah. There's a bunch of things going on around the world, really, for pretty much this whole year, especially February. Wow. Um, do yeah. you, I, I pretty much consider like Bob Marley like the. Um, Godfather of reggae because he's the one that I think really was the first one well, that got it on the map. There were other people yeah, that did, but no, he, there, there were a few people ahead of him. Yeah. But but he really put it on the map and uh, and he spread the Rastafari spirituality better than anybody on the planet, even to this day. Yep. Uh, you think of Rastas, you think of Bob Marley. That's, that's the first guy you think yeah, of. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's a little more complicated than that, but also, he really is, was a spokesman for you it. You also think of uh, Gary Oldman in Two Romans. <laughs> he wasn't a roster. <laughs> that guy was crazy. Clarence Worley, you didn't Clarence Worley. <laughs> hey, for white thought, boy season I today. I haven't thought about that in a while. That's funny. <laughs> Those right. are the two most famous Jamaicans, I know. man. It's great. It's great. Definitely. All right, so let's get right into this. Um, Bob was born Robert <coughs> Nesta Marley. That was February 6, 1945. So his 75th. Birthday's coming up in a few weeks. I think um, a weird name for a Jamaican. Well, he's only Nest- half black. Okay, okay. Half his, black. his his father was uh, named Norval Marley. He was a British soldier, kind of like a forest ranger type soldier, um, and it was in the area of the Saint Anne Parish called Nine Mile. That's where Bob was born. Yep. Now um, his mother's name was Sedella, and like I said, the father's name was Norval Marley. He liked to be called Captain Marley. That was his rank. Originally from the Sussex area of England, yep. Um, he had met Sedella when she was somewhere between sixteen and eighteen. Yeah, very young. Kind of like very young. Not quite sure exactly how old she was, but she could have been sixteen. Um, was Epstein before there was an Epstein. Yeah, because he was like <laughs> he fifty. Like, yeah. He was like fifty at the time. He loved yeah. young girls. Yeah. So Bob's father was only around uh, a few times. He only met him a few times in his life. Uh, He would send money, and Bob was able to go to school. We went to primary and secondary school in Jamaica, um, in that area. Um, When he was 10 years old, sadly, his father would pass away. Um, It was at that point... He must have been around 60 years old, right? Yeah, he was 60, and Bob was 10. Bob was 10. Um, He was was a quiet kid, uh, very into music. He had a good friend, uh, Neville Livingston, who we now know as Bunny Whaler. Bunny Whaler, um, yep. They would play music together in the country there. I mean, this was a very country area, okay? But he would move to Kingston. Yep. Okay? And in particular, he would move to Trenchtown in Kingston. So he pretty much started pretty early with his musical, um, yeah. his music, right? Like, yeah, oh, like, oh, a, like a young kid. Say, like a young kid? Yeah, like a young kid. I mean, it was... 
there were homemade instruments that Jamaicans used to make. It was yeah. like there was like a banjo type thing. There was a, a thing that I don't know what you call it, but it was like a box with metal on it. Yeah. And you would like pluck at the metal and it would make a sound, you know, yeah, and they would play those things drums, like that. Remember? Steel drums and yeah. things like that. And they would do that 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 great fucking sound that yeah. you hear sometimes. Yeah. Now interesting is is Bob's mom actually had a, a kid with Neville's father. Okay, so they were actually ma- uh, like they they didn't get married, but she the kid was accepted as a Marley. As a Marley, okay. yeah, as a Marley, and uh, they would move all of them to Trenchtown in 1955, um, actually 57. So Bob was about 12 at that point, and they were all living together in Trenchtown outside of Kingston. Now, if you don't know what Trenchtown is, it's Basically, it's always been an impoverished area, yeah. very poor. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, metal shacks, concrete blocks. Yeah. <laughs> what you see in the Caribbean, you know, you still see places like that today. You think the Concrete Jungle is based on that song pretty sure. much? That's that's definitely Sure. I mean, you know, when he played, especially that's, that's an early song. Yeah. Um, he was playing in the yards of Trenchtown. Yeah. Okay? There would be these, like, community yards between the houses. And he always made reference to, like, Trench, right? Yeah, yeah. there's a song called Trenchtown yeah. Rock. Yeah, okay. that's a great song. Yeah, you know, and he mentions in that song different streets and, and everything. You know, it was definitely, you know, he was a country kid. So here he was coming to the city. So it was a big, big life changer. Yeah. You know. Um, Bob, Bunny, and Peter Tosh, uh, uh, Beverly Kelso, Mm-hmm. Junior Braithwaite and Joe Higgs, okay, all became friends in Trenchtown. Joe Higgs was already established as kind of like an R&B, Scottish kind of yeah. guy. Uh, he had a, a, a semi-professional career going at the time. Uh, they would basically rehearse as a vocal group, and this would be, like I said, in the yards behind Trenchtown, okay? And it was a lot of, like, almost doo-wop, what they were doing. They were teenagers, okay? Higgs was a little bit older, Um Basically, they would practice daily where Joe Higgs had his residence in Trenchtown. I believe it was on 3rd Street. Um, they would practice mostly vocal harmonies. They didn't really play instruments then, but that would change. Uh, Bob would pick up a guitar. He would start to learn how to play stuff. Yeah. Uh, Bunny Whaler played a lot of percussion eventually. Uh, now, in February 1962, uh, Bob was uh, 17 at the time. He would release four songs, okay, uh, some singles, a song called Judge Not, a song called One Cup of Coffee, and now that was under the name Bob Martelli, okay, yep. or Bob Martell, uh, a song called Do You Still Love Me, and a song called Terra. Now, they were all produced by early reggae producer Leslie Kahn. Uh, these songs were not really reggae. Reggae hadn't actually been formed yet. No, they were like... They were more much, like ska. Yeah. They were like ska-sounding. Uh, which was very popular in the early 60s yeah, in Jamaica. Yeah, because you look at Bob Marley's like, style, he was like reggae, Scott, and even a little bit of rock, rock and roll. Absolutely. And, um, like, you know, he was very, like, he was very diversified. Like, his well, one, music was very, one like, big influence, a little bit of everything. Absolutely. One, one big influence on, on Bob Marley and uh, especially the early Whalers was uh, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions. Oh, yeah. All right, Curtis Mayfield here in the States was a, an R&B guy, most famously, I guess, known for the Superfly soundtrack and a lot of other things. Ah, great song. Um, but uh, his stuff with the Impressions, you could, you could hear how Marley would, would, would be listening to that. Yep. Uh, there's a song called People Get Ready, 
that yep. he would the impressions had done that he would cover later on in life. Uh, so that was definitely a big influence. Um, one other big influence on these early reggae guys that kind of doesn't get mentioned a lot is country music. Yeah. Uh, in Jamaica in the early 60s, basically what you heard on the radio was uh, American R&B, American, American country R&B, music, yeah. American country music, and uh, ska, yeah. which was, was really the most popular kind of music on the island. Um, and it would be that form of... I mean, the Toots and the Maytals do a version of Country Roads yeah. that John Denver did. Yep. You know, so, I mean, the, the country influence is there. Uh, in 1963, Bob, Bunny, Whale, Latash, Junior Braithwaite, Beverly Kelso, and Cherry Smith, okay, became uh, the Teenagers. Okay, that was the original name. Yeah. Then quickly it would become the Wailing Rude Boys. The Wailing Rude Boys. And then it would become the Wailing Wailers. The Wailing Wailers, yep. Okay, so they were trying to make it, trying different names. Uh, they would settle on the Wailing Wailers for a little while. And by February of 64, uh, if you put it in the context of what was going on in the States at the same time, the Beatles yep. had just landed and, and were huge. So in February of 64, the Wailing Wailers with Bob Marley would have a number one hit with a song called Simmer Down. Simmer Down. Okay. Maybe. Now, they were recording regularly now at um, Studio One, which was the famous studios owned by Cox and Dodd. Um, you know, they, they had the best producers, the best musicians available to them, the best equipment available to definitely them. Definitely, they had at this definitely point. equipment that was really good and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, by 66 or so, Breathwaite, Beverly Kelso, and Cherry Smith left the group. Yep. So what you had at that point was the core of Bob Marley, Bunny Whaler, and Peter Tosh. All right. Now, um, in 66, he would, Bob would marry Rita. Rita was uh, a girl from Trangtown that he got acquainted with basically because she was just a neighbor of the uh, people where he practiced. Yeah. Okay, and he would see her and, and they would see each other and rumor is is that Peter Tosh was actually after her first. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So that and, must have been weird. Man. Yeah, I think he, I think she just liked Bob right away. He was quiet, he was shy, she liked that about him. Um, and she didn't Yoko Ono the weddings either. She did or she didn't? She didn't. <laughs> well, you she might want to, you know what? You, we could get into that because Bun, Bun, Bunny Whaler and her did not get along too good. Yeah. Okay, so there was some problems there. But, you know, she had a semi-career of her own yeah. at that point. She was very involved with the Christian church mm-hmm. and sang in the church. And uh, I think she had put out some backing vocals on some records, oh, yeah. other people and stuff. So she was known as a singer. Um, when they got married, they were broke, truthfully. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he couldn't find any work in Jamaica. Now, his mother had recently got married again and left to go to the States, to go to Wilmington, Delaware, where her husband was, was from and working. Uh, she ended up having a few kids with, with him as well. So Bob decided to go to Wilmington, Delaware and see what he could do. Now, he actually uh, worked in the DuPont factory, which is a big corporation st- yeah. you know, based out of Delaware. Yep. Okay, and he also drove a forklift at the Chrysler plant that was there at the time. And he kept to himself. Uh, before he left, he got interested in Rastafari. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I think he was still on the fence as far as being a Rasta. Uh, there was a lot of stereotype, stereotypical attitudes towards Rastas at that point. In Jamaica, they were treated very badly. Yeah. If you grew your hair in dreadlocks, 
cops would pick you up and cut your hair. They were like very they would cut your hair yeah, off. They were like really fucking them. They were and, like, and even regular know, Jamaicans yeah. didn't like them either. Yeah, which was like amazing. Yeah, yeah. like you, you know that pretty much you know that Rastafari lifestyle pretty much started with these guys. You know, it's just well, it started. It started in the thirties. Yeah, uh, and, and really it was, was kind of very low. It was very under the radar yeah, kind of thing. Radar. But by the time uh, in the sixties, it was starting to be but, more common. Yeah. It had moved. It, it was a kind of a country thing to start with, and yeah. then it became a city thing. You started seeing it in Trench Town and yeah. places like that. More people got involved. You know, yeah. you know everything starts with you know any any religion or any culture start with like it, a few people. Interesting story pass, that uh, you Bunny, pass it down. Yeah, right. But Bunny Whaler had an interesting story. One time, I I, I heard him talk about this. He said when he was a kid, uh, in the, in the same area where they grew up with where he grew up with Bob in, in Nine Mile. Uh, his parents would say, "Stay away from the Rasta man." Wow. Okay, he's the Blackheart man. Okay. Now, years later, he would write a song called Blackheart Man. Yep. But he said his first experience with a Rastafari was he was in the street and a Rasta came out of the sewer <laughs> and started talking to him. Came out of a manhole in the street and started talking to him. And I guess he was telling him about it, whatever, and, and he said he wasn't scared of him. Every, everyone had said, you should be afraid of him. He should be, but he wasn't, but he wasn't afraid. Af- he wasn't afraid of him. But the guy came out of the side of the So was it Bunny that converted Bob Marley into, or was it Bob Marley's mother already a roster? How did no, he, how think, did he no, get but, his learning? Well, you know what? It's a little shady. Um, I don't think it was one particular person. Um, there were several Rasta preachers, kind of, at that time, um, a guy named, um, I believe his name was Morton Planow, uh, a bunch of other people. Um, it was well known what it, what the religion was. Okay. Okay. Uh, but it was it was not a lifestyle people chose without getting harassed. It Let was, me it was ask hard. you, how did they get the weed? Like, is weed legal in Jamaica? We, how weed they is get legal the... now in Jamaica, yeah. I believe. They've they've relaxed all the laws, but back then it grew wild. Okay. <clears throat> You know, there's different stories about how we got into the Rastafari lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, I've heard stories where in the early days they basically grew it and, and sold it. And sold it, To yeah. live on it. Because oh, they, yeah. they lived in communes up in the mountains. All right? So they really <coughs> didn't have a way to make a lot of money, and that was one way to do it. Uh, of course, the, the belief is, is that weed is, is in, you know... It's a thing that helps you meditate, meditate and you get in touch with yourself. Oh, yeah. And I believe that, yeah. uh, but it's it's not meant to be overused. You know how many times I smoke weed and I'm in another dimension? Many times. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, try reading the Bible when you're doing that. I'm going to tell you an interesting story. You remember back in the days, I don't know, I know you're a native New Yorker, but in New York City, growing up as a kid, most of the time, bodega used to be run. By Jamaican. I, I, I knew a lot in Queens like that. So yeah. in Hell's Kitchen, you had the fucking store, uh-huh. and there would be basic stuff. There'll be like chips. There'll be like nothing to be chips, soda, beer. Right. And then you had that one chip in front of the store that was there forever. And pretty much sit, just sitting there. And that's how you knew, like you that, would go, you would pay for your soda. You your so you pay for your soda yeah. if you wanted like a dime bag or a five dollar or whatever. Had to ask. So no, you just put it with the money, yeah. the guy would come to it, there was no inter- and the yeah. guy would give you the bag with mm-hmm. whatever it was. Yeah. And you just gotta get in contact that somebody had to introduce you and that's the way and then they would make money or you know, help another brother come back and they would open another store. They all ran the store for a long yeah. time. Even yeah. on my block, 
There was it might a, be a family. There role. was a store there that was for years. It was a pot store. Yeah. And you would go there, you would get like your can of whatever soda yeah. or the 25 cent juice that you give them. Like, I remember places like that down here. And it was on yeah. cigarettes also, so it was, that's what they would do. Yeah, maybe beer. Yeah, beer, <laughs> yeah. cigarettes, soda, yeah. and chips. Yeah. No sandwiches or coffee. They had coffee maybe, some right. of them. Right, but that's Bag how, of chips. Yeah, that's it. it's yeah. fucking it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, you know, you knew what it was, you know. You know what it was. I mean, a trade in, bag, in, baby. In, in, in those days, though, in, in, in Jamaica, I mean, these guys would get, you know, beaten by the cops, or arrested by the cops. Uh, if they heard you were from Trenchtown on oh. top of being a roster, you were going away for a long time. Sadly, that's that's how it was. Now they've they've made some restitution with these people over the years, and you know there's actually Rastafari's in Jamaica in the government. Wow. Now, so it's changed. Um, what, 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 oh, here, let's go here with Rastafari in the government. They drug taste them. <laughs> That would be a problem. That would be a problem. That would be a problem. Uh, you know, the problem is is that Rastafari is not really a, a religion. Okay, it's more of a lifestyle. Okay, um, you're 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 conscious about certain things, um, but there's no real organized religion. So there's a problem with trying to get, you know, get it official. Okay. Okay. But Rastas don't want that anyway. Yeah. Okay. Rastas don't want to have that religion label on what they believe because religion is really man-made alright and all the, the like in the Catholic Church all those rules and stuff is made up by men Rastafari is man-made also it's no. man that get high and they read the Bible you don't have to get high. it's not that's a that's a I don't want to get high if I'm going to be I want to get well, as strong as possible some people some people think that you know, with, you know, as a Rasta, you're forced to get high, or that's what you have to do. Yeah. No, that's they, that's not true. I know Rastas that don't smoke at all. Wow. Okay. Uh, and, and as myself, I I don't do it that much. Okay. And you know, it's not meant to be. Some people are just potheads. Yeah. Okay. It's really what it is, and that's fine. I'm not putting that down. I'm not a pothead, but I, I do don't mean like you. Pot. I'm talking rock. I do like my pot <laughs> yeah. once in a while, and I do like my gummies or my chocolate. I get totally fucked up. Yeah. So Bob Marley is doing forklift operation yeah. in the state. Yeah, he's working in he's working in Delaware, uh, keeping to himself, writing yeah. music. And kinda, what year? What year is this? This was '66. '66. Okay. Now, shortly after he but left, didn't he released an album in '65. Like the These were a couple of there were a couple of singles. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't an album, okay. But, well, but once that died down, he, yeah. and, and Cox's own uh, Dodd from Studio One ripped them off. Oh shit! Yeah, they, yeah, oh, yeah. They, those guys would not. Did you ever see the movie The Harder They Come with Jimmy Cliff? No, I never seen this. Okay, it's great. It's a great, it's a great movie. So it's about a a guy who breaks into the into the music industry, gets ripped off. Ends up being a gangster type, you know. It's a good movie. Jimmy, Jimmy Cliff stars in it, and uh, but th- it's very true what they tell in that movie is these guys would make a song, the song would be a big hit, and they wouldn't see anything from it. You just might got paid for the day. Yeah, they wow. You recorded it. That's it. And these guys would would make you know millions of dollars off for you. That's almost like what happened to the Kings. Remember the Kings? Happened show? to a lot, a lot of musicians like, in like, different genres, wow. you know, all over the world at that time. Now. Getting back to Rastafari for a second, yeah. in, in, in April of 1966, on the 21st to be exact, um, His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie I of Ethiopia visited Jamaica. Now, if you understand Rastafariism, uh, it's basically 
we believe that Haile Selassie is the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. He's a Messiah. He's a Messiah. He's a Messiah. There's been many Messiahs, okay? Christ was a Messiah. Yeah. Okay? Uh, but... Uh, and Muhammad was like a Messiah too, right? I... I, I some, some might believe that, not me, but some might believe no, that. I'm saying... Like Elijah like was like, in the yeah, Bible Elijah, was, was, a, was a Messiah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, King, King David, you could oh, yeah, say, King was a David. Messiah. Yeah. I mean... Definitely King David. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even Solomon, in some ways, you could say was... Um, but uh, he would come to the island to make a visit. All right, here's a real quick. It's, uh, it's, um, it's he um, bloodline with David? Yes. In order to be... In order yes. to be considered, okay. you got to have that well, David. Exactly. Which a lot of in, people in, don't in, know in, that. In a, in a nutshell, and we talked about this in that conspiracy yeah. show with the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, yeah. The, we got in, into in, it in more in, detail. Yeah, in, in, but uh, in, in, in a nutshell is, basically, if you remember your, your Old Testament, is Solomon and Sheba had a... They met and had a child. Now, that child is a bloodline directly from the line of David um, going into Ethiopia because Sheba was Ethiopia. So, this so when guy she is came, from the bloodline. He is, right. Haile right. Selassie is the 225th emperor of the bloodline. Wow. Okay, of the tribe of Judah. Okay? You just blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And, uh, you know, he was, he was predicted to be the coming Messiah, and Rastas on the island believed that. And they, when he came, it was madness. They, they, they crowded the airport. There was over 100,000 people there. Um, Who was it that saw something? Somebody saw Rita. The, yeah, somebody I was just going to say that. Yeah. Rita um, was in Jamaica while Bob was in the States, and she went to the airport to welcome him with 100,000 other people. Yeah. The way she tells the story is that uh, it was raining out, and you could see the plane coming in, and as it got closer, you could see that there were seven doves preceding it. And then as it landed, the sun came out. Wow. Okay. And there was a, a crowd all around the plane. At first, uh, Halle Selassie didn't want to come out. It took a little while for him to come out. Uh, then when he did, he, there was a procession into Kingston from the airport. Yes. And... Uh, Many people were lined up alongside of the road to see him come. That's okay? pretty incredible. The video, you sent me a documentary yeah. about Bob Marley that was pretty good. It's like about two and a half hours, but it goes into a lot of detail. And they that show, was the documentary from 2012. Yeah, yeah. they showed the footage of yeah. um, this guy arriving, and, and Rita's talk about it, yeah. and she's and, saying she and saw something. She, she, you know, everybody who's ever had an account that was there of, of what they saw uh, all had a mystical experience. Like, everybody yeah. felt that when he was waving at people, he, they felt that he was looking directly at them. Okay, it was a very personal kind of greeting. And when Rita was there, she, he, when he was waving, she saw the stigmata of Christ, the holes, okay, in his hand. Wow. Okay, and she knew at that point. Now, she went and told Bob immediately. They were keeping in touch with letters every day back and forth. And uh, he was convinced, too. Yep. You know, at that point, and he decided he was, you know, going to become a part of the Rastafari community once he got back to Jamaica, which he would do shortly. Uh, he would leave, um, come back towards the end of the year. Uh, in 67, he would have a fallout with Coxon Dodd over yeah. the money at Studio One. But he would start working again with the Whalers, uh, with Lee Scratch Perry. Let me ask okay. you a question. That first yeah. album that came, the Winning Winning, 
that song had some pretty interesting song because wasn't one love on that album. It's an early version of it. Yeah, early version. Yeah. They have one. The Wailing love. Wailers. I don't and think get they. Ready? I don't think they really get, had a full ready? album. Okay, but that was like an EP. Might have been album? like an EP, yeah. or uh, you know, if I, I could be wrong because I've never seen it. There are CDs and stuff you could buy now with their yeah. compilations, but I don't think they actually had an album. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I you guys know, can tell me. For some reason, I had that as the first album. Then the second album I had is Soul Rebels. No, no, I don't think that's correct. They, that they, came in 1970. I guess, yeah. Listen to this, I got. Yeah. Okay. Well, there might be compilations out there. That Actually, would... these are studio albums. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, so... yeah. Um, I think they were compilations that came out of their singles. And I was surprised how many live albums they had. Oh, yeah. I, was like, I yeah. thought they would have more than that. Yeah, no. The, the Wailing Wailers or just the Wailers? The Wailers, yeah. No, my, well, they, my... only had, they only had the two. It wasn't a long career, if you think yeah. about it, you know? Um, between 67 and 69... Uh, he would work with Lee Scratch Perry. Uh, also, he was working with producer Leslie Kong, okay? Um, and like I said before, Kong was a major innovator into the reggae sound, the forming of it and what it was. So it was important that, you know, Bob was in the mix with that as well. Um, now, reggae was kind of a slower beat yeah. than what other popular music was at the time. Uh, ska was was a lot faster. Oh, yeah. Uh, rock steady was slightly slower, but not as slow as, as, as reggae. Uh, there's no trumpets too much in reggae. You might have some horns here and there, but ba- basically, lot, yeah. basically it's, a, you know, you're playing an electric guitar over a heavy bass beat. Um, between 68 and 72... Bob would do a lot of things with the band. Uh, it was Bob, Peter Tosh, and Bunny Whaler with Rita Marley doing backing vocals. Uh, they recorded some old songs. Now, this is stuff that you got here, okay? Yeah. Um, they would, you know, Bunny always said these things were never really meant to be released, okay, because they were more like demos. They were, they were trying to shop stuff to get this big record deal okay. that, that was eluding them. Um, they would go to England, okay? Uh, do some work there But before that happened um, In 68 Bob and Rita Actually came up here To the Bronx Okay And they Met a guy named Jimmy Norman Who was Working with Johnny Nash Johnny Nash You might remember Had that hit I Can See Clearly Now I Can See Clearly Now The Rain Is Gone Right That was like yeah. Had like kind of A reggae yeah. beat to it um, He was working On a movie In Europe And they had asked Bob Marley To write Some of the songs For the movie which he did, uh, but they weren't. They would end up being in England and Sweden to do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was their first time away from, you know, really into a cold area like England. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bob went up to Delaware. It gets cold there too, but uh, these other guys had but never he been out of the country. England once he went there, right? Bob Bob didn't mind England. It was Bunny that didn't like it. Yeah. Bunny like Bunny didn't like it. He didn't like the cold. Yeah. Uh, that would be a problem in a couple of years once they got everything going. Uh, but the the record with Johnny Nash bombed the uh, the soundtrack and the movie itself bombed. So unfortunately, that was they were running out of money. Now, the blessing that happened on that trip to England was they met Chris Blackwell of Island Records, Ooh. and Chris had actually taken some of their singles and re-released them in England mm-hmm. at the time. So he knew who they were. Okay. He had bought the rights from, I guess, Studio One or whatever. Studio One, yeah, of course. And put it out on yeah. Island. 
and Marley was looking to get paid. He knew about Chris Blackwell, um, and he just came into his office one day, and the way Blackwell tells the story is like, you know, they had a reputation of being kind of like gangsters, okay, but they weren't. Yeah. But but that was the reputation because they were rosters. Yeah, they, they were rosters. They so had they that. People yeah. were already people were like, by yeah, them. they were like, oh, they'll shoot you or whatever. But he walked out of the office with a record deal. Yep. Okay. With they, what they, he they, wanted. That's <laughs> what he wanted. Um, instead of basically paying him uh, what he might have owed him, I guess for the for the singles, he said, "Look, I'll give you a record deal: four thousand British pounds, make an album in Jamaica." Now that was a lot of money. It, to, to make in a Jamaican studio That was a fair amount of money Yeah But everybody thought he was crazy His his associates were like You're never going to see anything out of that Those guys aren't going to do anything um, You know This was a stupid move But he had a reason for doing it as well Because Jimmy Cliff Who was probably the biggest guy out of Jamaica at the time so Left he, Island Records So yeah. that he needed to, to get another good artist yeah. on, the, on that on What the, year was that? That was a... Uh, like 1970 1970 Yeah Okay Now They would make an album uh, A few months later uh, He would check on them And that would be The Catch a Fire album Alright Yeah The first album by them released It came out in uh, April of 73 So let me correct myself That was probably 1972 73 That that Yeah the, came Oh through. yeah So The Catch a Fire yeah. Was a 73 73 Yeah So you, you asked me When that was yeah. I'd say it's about 73 or late 72 that he got signed. Yeah, I'm fixing my notes here because yeah. I had some different... Because those must have been like... These albums must have been with that company one. These Studio other albums, one? Studio yeah, one. Oh, yeah, they were. They had to be. That was the only That was the only <coughs> place that they were recording yeah, with Yeah, because they that. even had one, The Best of the Weather, so who the hell knows where they put it that one. So you're These saying, things would be released and re-released yeah. over and over. So you tell me, technically, the first real album was Catch a Fire. Yes. It was like, he got paid, yes. it was done. First official Island. album. Okay. Okay. Um, they would... They, the, the songs on that album are amazing. I know one of your favorites. Concrete Jungle. Concrete Jungle. Slave Driver. Slave Driver. 400 Years, which was written by Peter Tosh. Uh, Stop That Train, that was written by Peter Tosh as well. Uh, Baby, We've Got a Date. Stir It Up. Kinky Reggae, No More Trouble, and The Midnight Ravers. Now, it was produced by The Whalers and Blackwell. He got a producing credit as well, even though he probably didn't have a hell of a lot to do with it. It was mostly The Whalers. So I remember I could take this album, and but this album wasn't something that was just here. These albums were, like, everywhere, right? Because... Well, it, it, it would get a worldwide release. Yeah, that's okay? what I'm saying. It was the it's first amazing. time they had music. Yeah, it wasn't just going to be in Jamaica or England. It was going to be all over the world, okay? And, you know, Blackwell's idea was we're going to treat this band, we're going to promote them like we would a rock band, okay? Which then, was different than reggae. And they were different. Like, nobody else saw that anything like it. There was no, like a total, like totally. it was a breath of fresh air. Now, let me show you what I got here. Okay. This is one of the greatest thing I've ever seen in my okay. life. <laughs> Look now, at that the, collection. The, the, the Catch a Fire album, when it came out, was the shape of the record was, was like a zippo. Yeah. Okay. So this is a, a collection of all their albums. And you open it up, and it's shaped like, like a, a zippo. zippo. yeah. Okay. So pull this album out. Bob Martin. All right. And... After it was, you know, it was limitedly released as a Zippo lighter, but then this became the album cover. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is one of the most iconic album covers I've ever seen. 
right, because I, I mean, look at the size of that split. Is he smoking a doobie? He's smoking a big doobie. It's <laughs> a big giant That's one. That's a big doobie, okay? <laughs> and I, I can remember being about 13, 14 years old in the record store, seeing his album going like, holy shit. Yeah. Okay? That must have been controversial. It, it was. It, it was. It was. Even years later, it's it still was. It's a black man with a giant doobie. doobie yeah. Imagine white women with their kids bringing this album oh, home. <laughs> So this is the this is the back. Got them hanging out on the back cover. Okay, Bob had just started growing his dreads. They weren't, yeah. they weren't really long yet. Those are baby dreads. Those are man. baby dreads. Okay. Um, well, I got to ask you, when did they decide to change the name to Wedding and do Bob Marley? You know, the it, it, it's, when did inter- that it's interesting because I think when it was the Zippo lighter, it was called the Whalers. The Whalers. Catch a fire. Okay. Then when it got re-released with the with the joint cover, yeah. okay, I think it became Bob Marley and the Whalers yeah. because he had already changed at that point. All right. Okay. See, the second album would come out, okay? Is and, that Burning? And that's Burning. And that one right here, this one came out the same year. This one uh, in 73, oh, it was just called The Whalers, Burning the Whalers. So they were still using just that name okay. at that point. And uh, this is a beautiful packaging inside. Oh, yeah, look at that. You got a lot of pictures, all the lyrics. Reggae albums weren't given this kind of treatment. No. This was the only, the first time they were really given that kind of treatment. But these guys were, these guys were pretty much a hit off the back. Yeah. Like, they were like a hit. They had like some... Well, in, in, in Jamaica, they were a hit right away, um, even as the Wailing Whalers, but as this format, it was definitely a big hit. Uh, it only sold actually 14,000 copies worldwide originally. Yeah. Okay, which is not a lot, but it got a lot of critical acclaim, even in the States. Um, and again, you know, they, they were looking to promote this band almost as a rock band. So right away, he got them, Chris Blackwell got them out on a tour. Okay. Now, the Burning album will come out in October of 73. And, uh, you know, the one I just showed you here. And this is like a way more militant album. Okay. Yeah. You look at the tracks on here. It starts off with "Get Up, Stand Up." That's a great okay. song. Get up, Get out, stand up, stand up for your rights. I shot right. the sheriff is on here. Great, great Burn song. Burning and looting, small axe, which was like their little shot at Coxon Dodd, because he wrote a he he started a label called Big Tree Records. Yeah. Okay, and there's a lyric in Small Axe that says. If you want a big tree, we are a small axe, ready to <laughs> chop you down. Okay, like That's that. Yeah, so he's, he's actually, you know, these were rebe- they, they were rebellious. They were, they were rebellious. Sorry. You know, and and reggae music to me was always black punk rock. Yeah. That's what it was. It was rebellious. It is rebellious. But it's it meant wasn't, to be. you know what, the, but the difference between them and the songs were a little longer and... Um, oh, yeah, they would be the, right. And it wasn't I mean, as fast, you know? No, no, I don't mean, I don't mean the music-wise, yeah. but the, the attitude. The attitude. Yeah, the it's attitude. totally a punk attitude. Yeah, but. and that's, that's why in the 70s, you know, punk and, and, and <coughs> reggae would be intertwined. Okay, in England and in here yeah. a little bit too in the States, especially in England. Uh, by the time punk broke in 76, 77, most of those early punk guys, Johnny Rotten, The Clash, The Slits, uh, they were all big reggae fans. Because you know what, with the whole thing with this reggae coming yeah. out, so with, with Bob Marley doing it, he's one of the few guys that actually increased the interest in reggae. 
Oh yeah, like put, people, yeah. I like mean, they were coming out because he actually went worldwide. His album yeah, come worldwide, absolutely. And when you think about reggae, reggae is totally different than any other genre. Like it's just its own. Like you couldn't, you couldn't describe it to the point that it has almost well, like first of all, it has it, upgrade. Like it has changed. Like you, like Spanish people form a reggae is reggaeton. That's it's morphed into different no, things. It has when, when, re- so when reggae things. when reggae started, uh, it was meant to. Glorify Haile Selassie. Yeah. Okay, that's really the main point of it. Okay, uh, so much reggae music is in those that Rastafari theme where you're praising the king, okay, uh, the emperor of Ethiopia, and praising Jah, praising God, praising uh, Jesus but Christ. Songs, I, I don't see none of his songs like that. No, praising his songs. God, what? He's think. got. He's got songs. Uh, so Jah say, yeah. uh, forever loving Jah. Yeah, forever okay, loving Jah. Okay, no, he 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 me, I praised. Had, I thought they had different meanings. Like, you no, know? yeah, the, uh, I mean, there's like the Rastaman chant. Rastaman okay, chant on, is a on great the Burn It album. Okay, Burn it out, yeah, uh, I believe that's the last song yeah. on the album. And that's a that's good song. A, you have a Nyabingi drum beat. Okay, and the Nyabingi drummers were controversial at the time. They were yeah. the most orthodox of the Rastas. These were the ones that. Kind of kept to themselves. Uh, they played drums all day. Okay, very, very orthodox. Uh, some of them didn't accept white people. Okay, that's a whole other topic. Um, but uh, he put that into the music, and he, you know, it was different at the time. It was, you know, people heard that they went, "What the hell is that?" Because it was such a different yeah. kind of. But it moved people. Yeah, it, it moved people. Now between '73 and '74. The Whalers toured the UK and the USA. Now, problems arose on that tour pretty quickly with Bunny Whaler. Uh, he left the band uh, because he didn't like touring. No, he did not. And like he did not like the cold weather going to England. Uh, he basically left the band over that. And he also, you know, Chris Blackwell would have them playing strip clubs. Okay? <laughs> now, it, it went against their their, their Rastafari their teachings. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, he felt, I don't want to be exposed to that. I get it, you know, and, and it wasn't for him, so he left the band. So you tell me you never had a stripper that give you a nice lap dance and one love? It's, it's very spiritual. <laughs> it's very yeah. spiritual. I mean, you know, there's all different ways of looking at it. <laughs> there's all different ways of looking at it. There's no rules, you know. I mean, Bob had no problem. Okay, I'm Bob just saying, no man, if you want to be spiritual, one love in a, in a strip joint and hey, you're living your yeah, life tank. I mean, you know, it, there's a difference between playing, being the band at a strip joint and going to a strip joint. Yeah. Okay, if you if you got to play, I've known bands that have had to play places like that, and they basically just split after the gig. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Blow all your money on dollars? <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Like, it's crazy. So... Bunny didn't want to be around. I remember, he was a country boy. Yeah. Okay? And and it, it just, he didn't want to be around that. Now, the U.S. tour would be cut short. Peter Tosh stayed in the band at that point. He went on the U.S. tour. They actually went on tour with Sly and the Family Stone. But it didn't last because after a few shows, they were bigger than Sly. Yeah, And people course. were leaving after their act of and course. not I sticking around. That. And Sly said, fuck that. You're off the tour. Yeah. Okay? So that was the end of that. Um, there could be a lot of changes coming because that would be the original band and that wouldn't wouldn't keep going. No. Okay, with with Peter Tosh leaving and Bunny Whaler leaving, 
Bob had to regroup with a new band. Yeah. Okay, which he would do. Okay. Um, you know what the problem was? They were so they were such an instant pop. They were so popular. Yeah. And they had hits. They actually had hits right away. Even here in the UK, everywhere in Australia, it wasn't like this was the album that came out. People knew it right away. People yeah. knew the lyric, and, and for them to start, imagine how you feel. The opening that yeah. that's famous. That's you. Know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Sly at that point wasn't as big as he was no. a few years earlier. No, so that was all he needed. Really, have somebody upstage him like yeah, that. Yeah, and you know, it's like fuck you, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, you know? yeah, you know. So, um, one thing I wanted to discuss though is uh, the arrival of His Majesty. I wanted to get into that yeah. a little bit more. Um, this was a huge thing for the whole Rasta community yeah, in Jamaica. But word of uh, word of all this would spread throughout the world. And, you know, songs like Rasta Man Chant and other songs that Bob mentioned, Rastafari spirituality, uh, he was really at that point like a messenger. I like that punk Rastafari is good too. Yeah, favorite. that's coming that's up. That's song. coming up in the next part. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody did... And even to this day, nobody did more to promote Rastafari life than Bob Marley. But he was also uh, he was also controversial because he also had a form of politics too, because he yeah. got a little political too for well, his short always. career. Well, he was always political. Know, for his short life, he, he got he got career. I think in part two yes. we'll talk about some of the weird shit that happened to him. Yeah, even to the point that somebody tried to take tried him to out. Kill him. Yep. and it was crazy. Yep. You know. Yep. We're done with part one, sir. Part one, great. And remember, people, don't get, get drunk, drunk, get lumped up. up. See you soon. Real soon. No last man standing in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> How long was that one? <laughs>